Chapter Two, Part One of the Untilled Field by George Moore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Noel Badrian. Some Parishioners, Part One, Section One. The way before Father Maguire was plain enough yet his uncle's apathy and constitutional infirmity of purpose seemed at times to thwart him some two or three days ago he had come running down from kilmore with the news that a baby had been born out of wedlock and father stafford had shown no desire that his curate should denounce the girl from the altar the greatest saints he said have been kind and have found excuses for the sins of others and a few days later, when he told his uncle that the Salvationists had come to Kilmore, and that he had walked up the village street and slit their drum with a carving knife, his uncle had not approved of his conduct, and what had especially annoyed Father Tom was that his uncle seemed to deplore the slitting of the drum in the same way as he deplored that the Kavanaghs had a barrel of porter in every Saturday as one of those regrettable excesses to which human nature is liable on being pressed he had agreed with his nephew that dancing and drinking were no preparation for the sabbath but he would not agree that evil could be suppressed by force he had even hinted that too strict a rule brought about a revolt against the rule and when father tom had expressed his disbelief at any revolt against the authority of the priest father stafford said they may just leave you they may just go to america then you think that it is our condemnation of sin that is driving the people to america my dear tom you told me the other day that you met a lad and a lass walking along the roadside and that you drove them home you told me that you were sure they were talking about things they should not talk about you have no right to assume these things you're asking of the people an abstinence you don't practice yourself sometimes your friends are women yes but father tom's anger prevented him from finding an adequate argument father stafford pushed the tobacco bowl towards his nephew you're not smoking tom your point is that a certain amount of vice is inherent in human nature and that if we raise the standard of virtuous living our people will escape from us to new york or london the sexes mix freely everywhere in western europe only in ireland and turkey is there any attempt made to separate them later in the evening father tom insisted that the measure of responsibility was always the same i should be sorry said his uncle to say that those who inherit drunkenness bear the same burden of responsibility as those who come of parents who are quite sane you cannot deny uncle john that free will and predestination my dear tom i really must go to bed it is after midnight as he walked home father maguire thought of the great change he perceived in his uncle father stafford liked to go to bed at eleven the very name of st thomas seemed to bore him fifteen years ago he would sit up till morning 
father maguire remembered the theological debates sometimes prolonged till after three o'clock and the passionate scholiast of manuth seemed to him unrecognisable in the assurient vicar-general only occasionally interested in theology at certain hours and when he felt particularly well he could not reconcile the two ages his mind not being sufficiently acute to see that after all no one can discuss theology for more than five-and-twenty years without wearying of the subject the moon was shining among the hills and the mystery of the landscape seemed to aggravate his sensibility and he asked himself if the guardians of the people should not fling themselves into the forefront of the battle men came to preach heresy in his parish was he not justified in slitting their drum he had recourse to prayer and he prayed for strength and for guidance he had accepted the church and in the church he saw only apathy neglect and bad administration on the part of his superiors he had read that great virtues are like large sums of money deposited in the bank whereas humility is like the pence always at hand always current obedience to our superiors is the sure path he could not persuade himself that it was right for him to allow the Kavanaghs to continue a dissolute life of drinking and dancing. They were the talk of the parish, and he would have spoken against them from the altar, but his uncle had advised him not to do so. Perhaps his uncle was right. He might be right regarding the Kavanaghs. In the main he disagreed with his uncle, but in this particular instance it might be well to wait and pray that matters might improve. Father Tom believed Ned Kavanagh to be a good boy. Ned was going to marry Mary Byrne, and Father Tom had made up this marriage. The Burns did not care for the marriage, they were prejudiced against Ned on account of his family but he was not going to allow them to break off the marriage. He was sure of Ned, but in order to make quite sure, he would get him to take the pledge. Next morning, when the priest had done his breakfast, the servant opened the door and told him that Ned Kavanagh was outside and wanted to see him. It was a pleasure to look at this nice, clean boy, with his winning smile, and the priest thought that Mary could not wish for a better husband. The priest had done his breakfast, and was about to open his newspaper, but he wanted to see Ned Kavanagh, and he told his servant to let him in. Ned's smile seemed a little fainter than usual, and his face was paler. The priest wondered and presently Ned told the priest that he had come to confession, and going down on his knees he told the priest that he had been drunk last Saturday night, and that he had come to take the pledge. He would never do any good while he was at home, and one of the reasons he gave for wishing to marry Mary Byrne was his desire to leave home. The priest asked him if matters were mending, and if his sister showed any signs of wishing to be married sorra sign said ned that's bad news you're bringing me said the priest and he walked up and down the room and they talked over kate's wilful character 
from the beginning she did not like living at home said the priest i don't care about living at home said ned but for a different reason said the priest you want to leave home to get married and have a wife and children if god is pleased to give you children kate had been in numerous services and the priest sat thinking of the stories he had heard he had heard that kate had come back from her last situation in a cab wrapped up in blankets saying she was ill on inquiry it was found that she had only been three or four days in her situation three weeks had to be accounted for he had questioned her himself regarding this interval but had not been able to get any clear and definite answer from her she and mother never stop quarrelling about pat connex it appears said the priest that your mother went out with a jug of porter under her apron and offered a sup of it to pat connex who was talking with peter mcshane and now he is up at your cabin every saturday that's it said ned mrs connex was here the other day and i can tell you that if pat marries your sister he will find himself cut off with a shilling she's been agin us all the while said ned her money has made her proud but i don't blame her if i had had the fine house she has maybe i would be as proud as she maybe you would said the priest but what i am thinking of is your sister kate she will never get pat connex pat will never go against his mother well you see he comes up and plays the melodeon on saturday night said ned and she can't stop him from doing that then you think said the priest that pat will marry your sister i don't think she wants to marry him if she doesn't want to marry him what's all this talk about she likes to meet pat in the evenings and go for a walk with him and she likes him to put his arm around her waist and kiss her saving your reverence's presence it is strange that you should be so unlike you come here and ask me to speak to mary burns parents for you and that i'll do ned and it will be all right you will make a good husband and though you were drunk last night you have taken the pledge to-day and i will make a good marriage for kate too if she'll listen to me and who may your reverence be thinking of i'm thinking of peter mcshane he gets as much as six shillings a week and his keep on murphy's farm and his mother has got a bit of money and they have a nice clean cabin now listen to me there is a poultry lecture at the schoolhouse to-night do you think you could bring your sister with you we used to keep a great many hens at home and kate had the feeding of them and now she's turned agin them and she wants to live in town and she even tells pat connex she would not marry a farmer however much he was worth but if you tell her that pat connex will be at the lecture will she come yes your reverence if she believes me then do as i bid you said the priest you can tell her that pat connex will be there section two after leaving the priest ned crossed over the road to avoid the public-house 
he went for a walk on the hills and it was about five when he turned towards the village on his way there he met his father and ned told him that he had been to see the priest and that he was going to take mary to the lecture michael kavanagh wished his son godspeed he was very tired and he thought it was pretty hard to come home after a long day's work to find his wife and daughter quarrelling i am sorry your dinner is not ready father but it won't be long now i'll cut the bacon i met ned on the road said her father he has gone to fetch mary he is going to take her to the lecture on poultry keeping at the schoolhouse ah he has been to the priest has he said kate and her mother asked her why she said that and the wrangle began again ned was the peacemaker there was generally quiet in the cabin when he was there he came in with mary a small fair girl and a good girl who would keep his cabin tidy his mother and sisters were broad-shouldered women with blue-black hair and red cheeks and it was said that he had said he would like to bring a little fair hair into the family we've just come in for a minute said mary ned said that perhaps you would be coming with us all the boys in the village will be there tonight said ned you had better come with us and pretending he wanted to get a coal of fire to light his pipe ned whispered to kate as he passed her pat connix will be there she looked at the striped sunshade she had brought back from the dressmakers she had once been apprenticed to a dressmaker but ned said that the storm was blowing and she had better leave the sunshade behind the rain beat in their faces and the wind came sweeping down the mountain and made them stagger sometimes the road went straight on sometimes it turned suddenly and went uphill after walking for a mile they came to the schoolhouse a number of men were waiting outside and one of the boys told them that the priest had said they were to keep a lookout for the lecturer and ned said that he had better stay with them that his lantern would be useful to show her the way they went into a long smoky room the women had collected into one corner and the priest was walking up and down his hands thrust into the pockets of his overcoat now he stopped in his walk to scold two children who were trying to light a peat fire in a tumble-down grate don't be tired go on blowing he said you are the laziest child i have ever seen this long while ned came in and blew out his lantern but the lady he had mistaken for the lecturer was a lady who had come to live in the neighbourhood lately and the priest said you must be very much interested in poultry ma'am to come out on such a night as this the lady stood shaking her waterproof now then lizzie run to your mother and get the lady a chair and when the child came back with the chair and the lady was seated by the fire he said i'm thinking there will be no lecture here tonight and that it would be kind of you if you were to give the lecture yourself you have read some books about poultry i am sure well a little but oh that doesn't matter said the priest i'm sure the book you have read is full of instruction 
he walked up the room towards a group of men and told them they must cease talking and coming back to the young woman he said we shall be much obliged if you will say a few words about poultry just say what you have in your mind about the different breeds the young woman again protested but the priest said you will do it very nicely and he spoke like one who is not accustomed to being disobeyed we will give the lecturer five minutes more is there no farmer's wife who could speak the young lady said in a fluttering voice she would know much more than i i see biddy McHale there she has done very well with her poultry i dare say she has said the priest but the people would pay no attention to her she is one of themselves it would be no amusement to them to hear her the young lady asked if she might have five minutes to scribble a few notes the priest said he would wait a few minutes but it did not matter much what she said but couldn't someone dance or sing said the young lady dancing and singing said the priest no and the young lady hurriedly scribbled a few notes about fowls for laying fowls for fattening regular feeding warm houses and something about a percentage of mineral matter she had not half finished when the priest said now will you stand over there near the harmonium whom shall i announce the young woman told him her name and he led her to the harmonium and left her talking addressing most of her instruction to biddy McHale, a long thin pale-faced woman with wistful eyes this won't do said the priest interrupting the lecturer i'm not speaking to you miss but to my people i don't see one of you taking notes not even you biddy McHale, though you have made a fortune out of your hens didn't i tell you from the pulpit that you were to bring a pencil and paper and write down all you heard if you had known years ago all this young lady is going to tell you you would be rolling in your carriages today then the priest asked the lecturer to go on and the lady explained that to get hens to lay about christmas time when eggs fetch the breast price you must bring on your pullets early you must she said set your eggs in january you hear that said the priest is there anyone who has got anything to say about that why is it that you don't set your eggs in january no one answered and the lecturer went on to tell of the advantages that would come to the poultry keeper whose eggs were hatched in december as she said this the priest's eye fell on biddy McHale, and seeing that she was smiling he asked her if there was any reason why eggs could not be hatched in the beginning of january now biddy you must know all about this and i insist on your telling us we are here to learn biddy did not answer then what are you smiling at i wasn't smiling your reverence yes i saw you smiling is it because you think there isn't a brooding hen in january it had not occurred to the lecturer that hens might not be brooding so early in the year and she waited anxiously at last biddy said well your reverence it isn't because there are no hens brooding 
you'll get brooding hens at every time in the year but you see you can't rear chickens earlier than march the end of february is the earliest i have ever seen but of course if you could rear them in january all that the young lady said would be quite right i have nothing to say again it i have no fault to find with anything she says your reverence only that it can't be done said the priest well you ought to know biddy the villagers were laughing that will do said the priest i don't mind your having a bit of amusement but you're here to learn and as he looked around the room quieting the villagers into silence his eyes fell on kate that's all right he thought and he looked for the others and spied pat connix and peter mcshane near the door they're here too he thought when the lecture is over i will see them and bring them all together kate kavanagh won't go home until she promises to marry peter i've had enough of her goings-on in my parish but kate had caught sight of peter she would get no walk home with pat that night and she suspected her brother of having done this for a purpose she got up to go i don't want anyone to leave this room said the priest kate kavanagh why are you going sit down till the lecture is over and as kate had not strength to defy the priest she sat down and the lecturer continued for a little while longer the priest could see that the lecturer had said nearly all she had to say and he had begun to wonder how the evening's amusement was to be prolonged it would not do to let the people go home until michael dunn had closed his public-house and the priest looked around the audience thinking which one he might call upon to say a few words on the subject of poultry-keeping from one of the back rows a voice was heard what about the pump your reverence well indeed you may ask said the priest and immediately he began to speak of the wrong they had suffered by not having a pump in the village the fact that the almighty god had endowed kilmore with a hundred mountain streams did not release the authorities from the obligation of supplying the village with a pump had not the authorities put up one in the neighbouring village you should come out he said and fight for your rights you should take off your coats like men and if you do i'll see that you get your rights and he looked round for someone to speak there was a landlord among the audience and as he was a catholic the priest called upon him to speak he said that he agreed with the priest in the main they should have their pump if they wanted a pump if they didn't he would suggest that they asked for something else farmer byrne said he did not want a pump and then everyone spoke his mind and things got mixed the catholic landlord regretted that father maguire was against allowing a poultry yard to the patients in the lunatic asylum if instead of supplying a pump the government would sell them eggs for hatching at a low price something might be gained if the government would not do this the government might be induced to supply books on poultry free of charge it took the catholic landlord half an hour to express his ideas regarding the asylum the pump and the duties of the government 
and in this way the priest succeeded in delaying the departure of the audience till after closing time however fast they walk he said to himself they won't get to michael dunn's public-house in ten minutes and he will be shut by then it devolved upon him to bring the evening's amusement to a close with a few remarks and he said now the last words i have to say to you i'll address to the women now listen to me if you pay more attention to your poultry you'll never be short of half a sovereign to lend your husbands your sons or your brothers these last words produced an approving shuffling of feet in one corner of the room and seeing that nothing more was going to happen the villagers got up and they went out very slowly the women curtsying and the men lifting their caps to the priest as they passed him he had signed to ned and mary that he wished to speak to them and after he had spoken to ned he called kate and reminded her that he had not seen her at confession lately pat connex and peter mcshane now don't you be going i will have a word with you presently and while kate tried to find an excuse to account for her absence from confession the priest called to ned and mary who were talking at a little distance he told them he would be waiting for them in church to-morrow and he said he had never made a marriage that gave him more pleasure he alluded to the fact that they had come to him he was responsible for this match and he accepted the responsibility gladly his uncle the vicar-general had delegated all the work of the parish to him father stafford he said abruptly will be very glad to hear of your marriage kate kavanagh my marriage said kate i don't think i shall ever be married now why do you say that said the priest kate did not know why she had said that she would never be married however she had to give some reason and she said i don't think your reverence anyone would have me you are not speaking your mind said the priest a little sternly it is said that you don't want to be married that you like courting better i'd like to be married well enough said kate those who wish to make safe reliable marriages consult their parents they consult the priest i have made your brother's marriage for him why don't you come to me and ask me to make up a marriage for you i think a girl should make her own marriage your reverence and what way do you go about making up a marriage walking about the roads in the evening and going into the public houses and leaving your situations it seems to me kate kavanagh you have been a long time making up this marriage now pat connex i've got a word with you you're a good boy and i know you don't mean any harm by it but i have been hearing tales about you you've been up to dublin with kate kavanagh your mother came up to speak to me about this matter yesterday and she said not a penny of my money will he ever get if he marries her meaning the girl before you your mother said i've got nothing to say against her but i've got a right to choose my own daughter-in-law these are your mother's very words pat so you had better listen to reason do you hear me kate i hear your reverence and if you hear me what have you got to say to that 
he's free to go after the girl he chooses your reverence said kate there's been courting enough the priest said if you aren't going to be married you must give up keeping company i see paddy boyle outside the door go home with him do you hear what i'm saying pat go straight home and no stopping about the roads just do as i bid you go straight home to your mother pat did not move at the bidding of the priest he stood watching kate as if he were waiting for a sign from her but kate did not look at him do you hear what i'm saying to you said the priest yes i hear said pat and aren't you going said the priest everyone was afraid pat would raise his hand against the priest and they looked such strong men both of them that everyone wondered which would get the better of the other you won't go home when i tell you to do so we will see if i can't put you out of the door then if you weren't a priest said pat the devil a bit you would put me out of the door if i weren't a priest i would break every bone in your body for talking to me like that now out you go he said taking him by the collar and he put him out and now kate governor said the priest coming back from the door you said you didn't marry because no man would have you peter has been waiting for you ever since you were a girl of sixteen years old and i may say it for him since he doesn't say much himself that you have nearly broken his heart i'm sure i never meant it i like peter you acted out of recklessness without knowing what you were doing a continual smile floated round peter's moustache and he looked like a man to whom rebuffs made no difference his eyes were patient and docile and whether it was the presence of this great and true love by her side or whether it was the presence of the priest kate did not know but a great change came over her and she said i know that peter has been very good that he has cared for me this long while if he wishes to make me his wife when kate gave him her hand there was a mist in his eyes and he stood trembling before her End of Some Parishioners, Part 1